No, you can't do that. You got like you gotta be my timer person. I, I got you. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Okay, now it's gonna be okay. Uh, I thought what we do is any any good uh, uh, teaching always starts with sort of a review of what you've learned before on the topic. That's always where you start. And so uh, we learned last week through uh, uh, Justin that. Uh, Worship uh, involves knowing the existence of God. We know from Romans 1 that he is, he is evident to all people uh, being seen in what has been created, um, that he has been, his existence has been clearly perceived. Um, God is to be feared, loved, praised, uh, he, and he tells us how to do this. He tells us how to do this. And one of the things he has said in Deuteronomy, uh, you must not worship the Lord your God in their way, speaking of the pagans and things who were in the culture, uh, because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. See that you do all I command you. Do not add to it or take away from it. We know that uh, we, uh, worship uh, by nature has to be Trinitarian. We worship the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's one God and three persons. Um, it's also, he says, not according to our imaginations. Just because you can think of it doesn't make it a good idea, right? Our imaginations run wild. Our imaginations go a lot of different places, and there's just certain things that he says no. Uh, the principles that we have for worship are found in the scriptures. They're not found outside of the scriptures. That's not to say that worship can't take different forms. That's not to say that, well, you know, I'm the guy who goes, we need a pipe organ and we need a big church. And that's, you know, but you know what? There are guitars and bands and things that so long as it's been, it's, the, the motivation behind it is real and right and authentic that, and true to God's word, that's okay. They're just, they're just sort of, no, I don't want to say that. Um, also, part of worship, Justin told us, was prayer. A good worship service is going to, there's prayer involved in it. And it's prayer, as he says in the scriptures, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. It should be in the name of his son. We pray to the Father in the name of the Son, the Lord Jesus. Uh, we pray according to his will. Uh, you know, uh, we were talking, Minette and I were talking the other day, you know, when you pray for somebody, pray, to, pray for God's will to be done, not that it's done the way you think it ought to be done. I mean, it's like... I wouldn't. I would be scared to death if if I pray for somebody and he would do that for them and that wasn't the right thing, right? So we pray to for God. I mean, that's not to say, you know, we know there's, you know, something going on. We pray for it. That's you know, please take that away from us. Now that's different than just you know prescribing how God should act because that's very presumptuous on our part. Um, and then uh, we learned uh, also that uh, the reading of the scriptures, sound preaching, the conscionable hearing of the word, etc. So it's required that we read scripture. 
That's scripture. It is the very words of God. It's the words of God that he wants us to know. It's certainly not all-inclusive. It's like in, in the Bible, what's so cool about this is, this is what he says. This is, this is everything we need to know. It's, it's not everything that there is, because I think one of the cool things is going to be when we, when we get to be with the Lord in heaven, there's, this book is going to be a lot bigger. You know, where there's going to be stuff in there that we go, that's awesome. You know, but I don't know that we could handle it or that it was necessary, but that's everything that's necessary for us at the time. Uh, that when we read the scriptures, uh, we should read uh, with reverence. I, I'm always telling my kids, you know, when they're my school kids, not my, not my other kids, probably be a good idea there too, but you know, <laughs> so you should have listened to me, uh, is that you give him an assignment. Okay, this is what you're supposed to read tonight. And I said, all right, so when you're reading these things, does it sound like want, 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 George Washington, want, 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 don't, that's, you don't, you read intentionally, right? We read the scriptures with reverence. It used to be, and we all, we do this at one point in our script, at one point in our service, uh, that when the word of God was read, they stood out of reverence and awe because of the. It's hard. It's amazing that these are the very words of the God of the universe. That's that's you know. And why shouldn't we stand? Um, let's see what else did I want to. We're still reviewing, by the way. Uh, Worship that is acceptable contains sound preaching. The right handling of the word of God, as the scripture tells us. They should preach. He should preach faithfully. We should re-preach Jesus. We should preach and read the gospel. What is the gospel? Because this God that we deal with, there's a reason the gospel is good news. It's because he's holy and we're not. That's why the gospel is good news. And so we got to we keep those things in mind when we listen. When we listen uh, into these things, it should be obediently, right? It's not just something that's like, okay, we got to stand up and we're going to hear this, and then we're going to sit down, and then we're going through, going through the bulletin with like a pencil, checking stuff off, right? We we should intentionally and obediently uh, listen to the word of God. And our listening, according to the scriptures, says we should not be hearers of the word only, but doers. Our listening should produce a result. The listening that we have, in, it should produce things in our lives that are godly outcomes. Um, we see, um, let's see where we're going to go here. Okay, so um, uh, Jesus talked about the, in the parable of the sower. Uh, but he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and, pro- and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So it it should be producing these things. Now we don't have we're not the ones who produce it. We're just making ourselves available to God to kind of like write on that blank slate what He wants, and He produces it. We let the Holy Spirit produce those things, but we need to avail ourselves of Him in those cases. Uh, we must hear, as I say here, with reverence. We intend to hear. We're not here just passing time. 
uh, kind of going, well, I hope I get this over with. Because here's the thing. We have this God who created out of nothing, who did all these things, who my, one of my favorite passages in, the, in all of Scripture is in Job 38 and 39. And, and you know, Job, Job's life was screwed up. I mean, it got really bad. And he's complaining. I mean, and he doesn't complain sort of for a long time, but then he sort of starts complaining. And in all these things, he's lost his family, he's lost his health, he's lost his crops, he's lost all this stuff. And God says to him, you sit here and I'm going to tell you how it is. I'm going to tell you how it is. Where were you when I did this? Where were you when I said to the sea this far and no farther? Do you know how this happens? Do you know how this happens? This is the God we serve. Um, and so we should give it our attention. Because that's what's needful here. Uh, we don't show up as if we're doing God a favor. Boy, aren't you glad I came today, right? I bet you're really glad of this, right? We don't do him a favor. We're not coming to do our pastor a favor. We're coming because we want to meet with the God of this universe and be here and be present when we're here. Um, and it says here that in Ephesians, I remember this verse from long ago, that we speak to one another. It's in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, making melody in your heart to the Lord. We have in our scriptures, Justin also told us uh, the proper administration of the sacraments. The sacraments are very important to our worship. Lest they were, so that it wouldn't be called sacraments. If it wasn't important, it's so much more important than just kind of going through the motions. If the sacrament of, of communion is, is, has been instituted by Christ, it's so much more than we're just kind of doing this. We're allowed, we are allowed to be partakers with him. It's a phenomenal thing, and you want to do this decently and in order. Uh, there have been many... Uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to go there. All right. So um, anyway, and there's also um, public and private worship. It's not just like here. Where does it? Where else does it happen? Um, it's time when we actually set aside to be very purposeful to do these things and just spend time. It doesn't have to be like you know hours at a time, although. Probably it should be at some point. Uh, and, uh, um, okay, so we're going to kind of start now and get into some of the new, some, some of the newer material that uh, goes this. And I want to I kind of start here, is that worship's not the time when we come in here to see to our own comfort. It's not about us. None of it's about us. We're just fortunate and blessed and have graciously been um, given this opportunity to worship God. So when we come into the service, um, I used to fuss at my middle one, not, not my older one, my you know which one I'm talking about, because uh, he would come in here, and again, this is 
All right, Tyler, I'm not going to, this, they said, Tyler has nothing to do with what I'm getting ready to say. <laughs> Is that my phone? Uh, we, we would have this conversation, and we're coming in to worship the God of this universe, and he comes in, and he's got a cup of coffee in his hand. I said, go put that back outside. This isn't about you. It isn't because you don't you take the donut back outside because you, you know, I can't help it that you didn't have breakfast. We're, we have come here to worship God and we're looking to our own comfort and we're looking at those things. And it's like, you wouldn't do that in Fred Smith's office. You wouldn't show up at FedEx and walk into Mr. Smith's office with a cup of coffee and a donut. Why would you do that in the presence of God? And so... All right, I've said it. I'm sorry, honey. I, I, I'm, this is. John was always fond of saying um, that this is a God with whom we should not trifle. All right, we have become. Uh, I'm going to get ahead of my. What's that? <laughs> Maybe that's what, yeah. Uh, here's another thing. There's a reason they tied a rope on the leg of the high priest when he went into the Holy of Holies, right? If he did something that was not prescribed, nobody else could go in there, so they had to drag him out. Uh, so, all right. So when, and, the, and I think one of the interesting things in one of my, things here is that in the great churches and cathedrals of Europe, they were built in part to be sort of a representation of heaven on earth. There's nothing in those cathedrals that's not symbolic. The way they're, most of the, the, particularly the Gothic ones are made in cruciform shape. They're shaped like a cross. They face east. The way that Christ is going to return, that's why they did that. On the door, as you're coming in, the main portal of the door often would have things. So the main portal of the door is the western facade, and it's the foot of the cross because the, the transept was up here. It's a piece that goes across. And there were symbols and things of judgment and all that that is reminding us of the gospel and why it's important. So we walk, they walk into these churches at the foot of the cross, and inside are the windows of light and beauty and statuary that all tells the story of the gospel. Uh, how many have been uh, to one of the big churches or cathedrals in Europe? Right? When you walked in, David, what'd you do? I was in awe. You're in yes, awe. I mean, it, it almost makes you ashamed <laughs> of how you can approach the worshiping Cynthia, the first time I took her into the church, she took her to St. Paul's in London. She was a, she'd grown up in a little Baptist church in the country, she said. And, and you know, she was almost speechless. Yeah, but yeah. But she just had this feeling of, of God's presence from the, from everything that was represented there. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Blake, I think you had your hand up. How about you?
Did anybody, who else, somebody else who asked something? What did you think? Yeah, and they're designed to be that way. You walk in, and you get quiet, and you look up. Right? That's how you do it. And that was purposely done that way because they had this overarching understanding of who it was you're getting ready to meet with at the time. Is that why the, the dome says you look up? Which dome? Yeah, yeah, there's all, yeah. Anything vertical like that is meant for your gaze to go upward. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you go in there, you're not, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit, <laughs> you don't feel completely comfortable. And guess what? You shouldn't. Because guess who you're getting ready to meet with, right? The God of Isaiah 6. When in, and Isaiah's in there, he, he, and he doesn't even, he's not even part of the full refulgence of God's glory. It's part of it. It would have killed him if had it been otherwise. And the only thing he does is he falls on his face and he begins to confess. This is all kind of part of worship that we see in being sort of connected to what it is um, we're doing. Uh, much of the contemporary church design has taken its lead uh, from the theater. Most of the designs that we see currently kind of came out of the late 19th century. Uh, the social gospel movement was kind of part of that, where they got rid of the central aisles the chancel, which is this area, becomes the stage. The sanctuary became the auditorium. The narthex became the lobby. And while this is sort of a real pet peeve and hobby horse of mine, I will say that there's, there's significance there. There's significance there. Um, let's move on. Um, but this kind of goes along also, and I actually am going to, Tyler, I actually am going to get in a book here in a minute. This, this actually had ramifications. It's not just, okay, that's a style difference, stop it. You know, you're just that old guy and, you know, it's not what it is, because the style changed too, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> so that they thought it was the experience in the late 19th century, the experience was more important than the dogmas it taught. After all, it's kind of better that you, it's better that you love your neighbor and don't worry about all the doctrinal things. I mean, those are absolute, those are actual words that were spoken. And it's like, no, it's not. Because if you throw out the doctrine, you don't even need Jesus, because how do you know he was there? How do you know what he believed? How do you know what he taught? And so worship is this, this thing that we, and I'm throwing myself in this. I'm not, I'm not saying this to you know, just everybody, but 
it's something that ought to be very intentional when we walk in here, be, <clears throat> excuse me, because we're getting ready to meet with the God of the universe. Uh, we are generally more comfortable uh, in um, confessions. Augustine, in book one, sort of has this very interesting uh, thing that he does with the uh, sort of the juxtaposition of the immanence of God and the transcendence of God. So, let's see, who can I put on the spot? My man. What, what is the immanence of God, Mr. Neal? Yeah, it's how he deals with us on a horizontal level. But we aren't very comfortable with the transcendent nature of God, the part of him that is above us, the part of him that we can't even approach, the part of him that put Isaiah on his face. That's a little more problematic. So we tend to dwell in the imminent part of God's character. Right. And there's nothing wrong. I'm not throwing rocks at that one, but it's like when it always becomes that we kind of lose sight. We get kind of unbalanced of who it is we're actually dealing with here. Um, all right. So let's move. Oh, I've got to say this. I love this one. Jesus ain't your homeboy. All right. He was there with God. He was there with the father, and all the Godhead at creation and with Throughout, you know, he, it was all made through him and by him, and nothing was made without his presence there. Nothing. So he ain't your homeboy. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, according to the scriptures. He's our redeemer. He's our lover. He's all those things, but he's not our homeboy. He's just not that guy. Um, all right, so let's get in, uh, into more of this uh, or this in 21.6, the sixth uh, paragraph under chapter 21, uh, it says, Neither prayer nor any other part of religious worship is now under the gospel, either tied unto or made more acceptable to any place in which it is performed or towards which it is directed. But God is to be worshipped everywhere in spirit and truth, as in private families daily and in secret, each one by himself, so more solemnly in the public assemblies, which are not carelessly nor willfully to be neglected or forsaken when God by his word or providence calleth them thereunto. So there's no place that's more acceptable to worship than other places. I think they probably put this in here because um, they were taking some issue with the Catholic Church saying if you're going to worship, you got to come to the come to the church um, uh, but in this case it doesn't matter the place is not the direction you face doesn't matter a lot of now that's not to say that out of reverence if you go all right here's what I'm going to do I'm going to pray and I put so in my house I got this I'm going to go I'm going to look toward the east it's totally acceptable because that's Jerusalem that's where it is. It, you know, it's okay that those things exist, but we can't get trailbound going, God, I don't know which, you know, you're out in the woods. I don't know which way's east. And, you know, I, I, I guess I can't pray. I can't. It's, so it's, it, it, and they're saying it doesn't matter in that sense. Uh, Jesus, when he talks to the Samaritan woman, neither here nor Jerusalem, right? 
where it's worship is going to happen. All right, it's it's everywhere. It's all places. It's all things. Um, Malachi says to do it everywhere, and it, or Tim, Timothy says uh, everywhere at all time. Not Timothy, Paul in First Timothy. Malachi tells us to pray and offer uh, to God from the rising of the sun to its setting in every place, all day. We should have within us this spirit of prayer where we are acknowledging God's sovereignty in our lives, our dependence on how he, you know, his importance to our lives. And it's just kind of just a constant sort of conversation. Right? It could be here. It could be driving to work. It could be at work. It could be, you know, it's, it does, it's, that's, you know, that's good. Uh, uh, also, uh, all settings, whether it's family, whether it's family time, whether it's at school, uh, different relationships with people and all that. Uh, I remember uh, when we were growing up, and it, it's kind of different, but um, I had friends in high school who were also believers. And our conversation wasn't just about what do you think practice is going to be like. There's a lot of that. But it was also, we talked about the Lord. Do you talk about the Lord just in daily conversation? Do we acknowledge his presence? Uh, and it's something that is like, okay, that's, that's good. Uh, Paul, is, again, here tells us to pray at all times. Okay, uh, 21.7, as it is uh, of the law of nature, that in general a due proportion of time be set apart for the worship of God. So in his words, by a positive and moral and perpetual commandment, binding all men in all ages, he has particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath. It's to be kept holy unto him, which from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week. And from the resurrection of Christ was changed into the first day of the week, which in scripture is called the Lord's day. And it is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath. So the Sabbath itself, uh, as, as was said here, and you, know, you all know, was always until the time of the resurrection began at sundown on Friday and ended sundown on Saturday. And it was a day that was given entirely to uh, uh, the Lord. Um, and I say here, if, if God is God, and he is the one we say he is, that we owe him this. We're not doing him a favor by kind of showing up. He's not a respecter of persons, couldn't care less about how cool we are, right? What we have, what we do, you know, all those things. So if he is that guy, then we owe him this. Uh, the church has set aside, though, Sunday as the Lord's Day based on the resurrection of Christ, which is on the first day of the week. Um, Exodus 20 reminds us to uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Uh, Isaiah 56, blessed is the man who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and chooses what pleases me. Uh, there are lots of different ways 
to sort of keep the Sabbath, which is not to say that <clears throat> there are different ways of doing it. Jesus himself is going to say that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. We, uh, as Presbyterians, we can make an academic exercise out of anything. And I'm one of the, I can be that guy. I can, I go, okay, well, this is, you know, there are different ways of keeping it. And certainly Jesus had some really significant issues with the Pharisees when it came to the Sabbath. You know, what can you do on the Sabbath? If the Sabbath is meant for you and not you for the Sabbath, then there's a part of it which you can determine along certain parameters and things. It's a blessing to us. Um, and I, I must say that I've not been um, probably as cognizant or as helpful on this as I could have been in the past. It's not to put anybody under the law. That's what the Pharisees were doing. But there should be at some, at some level a conscious, an attitude toward this is God's day and all of it is God's day. That doesn't mean you're more spiritual if you go to church twice or three times. I went to church twice and then I went over here. <clears throat> but those of you who say you can worship in a deer stand are lying to yourselves. I'm just saying. I've heard that a few times. I'm going, you believe that? I'm not saying you can't appreciate God's creation from a deer stand, but the chances of worship happening are not great, but they could happen. I'm just saying. Um, that's not to say you can't hunt on Sunday. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just, I just had to say that. All right. Um, all right. Also, what kind of time we got here? Did you lay down on me? I mean, you, you, went, you hung up on me. Four minutes? Okay. My second point. <laughs> no. Uh, sorry. I just, because you would believe that. That's the thing. That's what makes that funny. All right. Uh, there are different kinds of Sabbaths, right? Um, uh, the book that we use is kind of interesting because I never really quite thought of it in these terms, but he said there are Sabbath, there's the Sabbath day singular and Sabbath plural. And the Sabbath day was a day that was set aside for all the things that we sort of talked about at this point. It was a day of remembrance. It was a day. But they would get hung up in things like, well, can you do good on the Sabbath? I mean, certainly Jesus is going to talk about that. Uh, I think I put that on there. Um, but there were these other days called Sabbaths, and they were usually a week a year or something following the Sabbath day. And I put some in here, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And these were all Sabbaths unto themselves, but it was a little different. It was a longer term kind of piece of this. And then every, and they're all broken up into like sevens and things like this. And the day after the seven, the eight, eight is another one of those numbers that the scriptures use. Uh, as a fullness of time, as I, um, but in any case, um, there was every 50 years, there was a year of jubilee. And these were, these were years when debts would be forgiven, land would be returned, all these kinds of things to kind of just 
it's like when the market takes a correction, you know? It's like this is this sort of a corrective measure. Uh, it's very helpful um, in these times to, uh, it's sort of a liturgy in, of, of sorts to our lives. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful time. And so we ought to be a little more intentional. Again, I'm throwing myself in this. I'm not just like saying, I'm okay, but y'all all messed up. Um, it says, finally, Sabbath is to be kept holy unto the Lord. And after due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe the holy rest all of the day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but are also taken up the whole time, uh, the public, private exercise, etc. It's always more helpful. It has always been more hesitate to use the word meaningful, but it is. When before we come here, we spend time, just not a lot of time, but just kind of preparing ourselves for what we're getting ready to do. Because if we're going to walk into this place and be in the presence of God, it ought to be more special. Right? Uh, one of the things in, uh, that, ha that the uh, Catholic Church has done is like, before they go to Mass, they're not supposed to eat. It's a fast. It's a fast to remind you of what you're getting ready to do. And a fast is a sort of a, an offering at this place. So, um, All right. I guess that's, that's about it, right? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you.